This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is A's Cast live from the field here at the Oakland Coliseum as we're getting you ready for a little A's baseball. It's firework night. That's right. We're going to have fireworks, going to have a great series as we got the Athletics in town against the Boston Red Sox for three games. Absolutely love when the Sox come to town. And it's going to be rowdy. It's going to be good. We're going to have some fans in the ballpark, which is going to be phenomenal. Dave O'Brien from the Red Sox. He does Red Sox television. We'll be here coming up at 410. Cole Irvin, who we're going to have to bust his chops. Cole is not one of the top ten fastest workers in baseball. And I know he prides himself on how fast he works, but... Uh, We're going to have to talk to you about that. Another quality start for him against the Houston Astros on Wednesday. And then we'll have the Mark Kotze show. What day is it? Friday. And who shows up every Friday? Mark Kotze. It's the Mark Kotze show. He's going to be here at 5 o'clock. Brought to you by Nest Betting. So we'll have Mark Kotze at 5. We're going to have Cole Irvin at 445. Is that a after-batting practice? Yeah, so... The time is tentative. I know I have like 4.45 on there. On the screener, I have 4.30. He'll be somewhere probably in that window. I'm just going to put question mark-ish for Cole Irvin and then Dave O'Brien coming up here at 4.15. I do know this. However it happens, I have no analytics. I have no data. I have no numbers that can try and figure out why the A's have not been good at home. But it's just a reality at 13-13 and 13 on the road. They've been a far better team on the road than they have been at home because at home, it just has not been good. They have lost 17 of 20 here at the Coliseum. They're on pace to score 57 runs, which would be the second fewest in a season for the Athletics. So that pace, what is the year, 78? Uh, yes, 78. 78. Now, back in 1978, they scored uh, 532. Right now, they're on pace 
for 547. So in modern-day baseball, and even baseball, that I know 78 doesn't seem like a long time, but, yeah, 78 was a long time ago. We're going to be honoring the 72 team here tomorrow, and when you think about the 72 team, you know, that was a long time ago. It was 50 years ago. You want to know how I know that? That's the year you were born? Yeah, and I just turned 50. It was a long time ago that these guys were winning their first World Series. So 1978, I mean, when we start going down the average home runs, on-base, slug, OPS, you name it, the A's are in the bottom half of everything offensively. They're 27th in runs scored, 28th in home runs, 30th in average, 30th in on-base percentage, 30th in slug, 30th in OPS. It's just, it is what it is. They don't hit, especially at home. And for the pitching, for the most part, it's been good. At times lately, the bullpen hasn't been what you expected it to be as, you know, they were really, really good and kind of carried that. But... At this point, they got to start hitting. And it was nice to see them not get no hit by Verlander. It was nice to see kind of a little mini explosion and Bethancourt go yard for the first time since 2016. Guy who's red hot right now that you got to talk about is Elvis Andrus. The last 10 games, he's hitting 351. He has a 1,016 OPS. He is getting it done. But for the most part, the entire offense has just, they've, they haven't carried their weight this year. As we're watching the A's, as you can see on, on YouTube or Twitter, if you're watching the show today, you can see the A's are taking batting practice, working every day, working hard. It just hasn't translate at home. And when you look at home runs, only 12 home runs at the Coliseum this year. Only 12. That is such a low number. When we start looking at the A's and start comparing them to other teams, you start seeing the Tigers, you start seeing the Nats, you start seeing the Orioles, and whether the Orioles uh, changing Camden Yards has been a big deal or not. It's just when you're in the bottom half of the league and you're trying to figure out how to score, you can make it rough. And hopefully there's going to be a little bit of turnaround. I'm kind of hoping, and I don't know about you, Cody, I'm kind of hoping that with fans in the stands that we're going to see a little uptick. There better be because if you put around 20,000 in the stands tonight and you see the same old, same old, do not bring fans up again on the postgame show. Uh, I've made the point I don't want to hear about fans because we just went through a full season with no fans in 2020. 2021, we were limited most, you know, depending on what state you're in, what county, uh, as Alameda County is back to uh, masking in public places. I don't know what the official letter of the law is as we speak, but I can tell you now here at the Coliseum, we're, we're wearing masks again in the press box and in certain places, whether it be the tree house or any place that's enclosed, we are going to be wearing masks. But these guys should be used to not playing with fans. They haven't had fans. So I don't want to hear that as an excuse. And if we're actually going to have decent-sized crowds, not great, but decent-sized crowds, especially tonight and over the weekend, and you don't hit, I'm not going to want to hear the excuse anymore because there's going to be some people in the stands. And tonight should be a night where, well, if if you haven't been able to get your juices flowing, which I'm not buying 
tonight will be a night where you should get it going as we're going to have – we're expected to have – what do we expect, like 20,000? Yeah, I remember that's the number you told me, So, and I believe everything you tell me. So, <laughs> um, I missed the homestead meeting, so usually that's when we find I'm out. I'm worse than the Internet. If you believe everything in the Internet and then you're believing everything I say, now you're really in trouble. Yeah, and you mentioned real quick, you mentioned the, uh, the home run race, or lack thereof. 104 home runs is the pace that they would hit this year as a team. That would be the – Third fewest in A's history behind only 1968 when there was 94. And uh, 1978 when the team hit 100. The what? Team, so the A's are on pace right now to hit 104 home runs on the season. That would be uh, the third fewest in Oakland A's history. If I had to bet, how many they have now total? Uh, 34, I believe. Yeah, 34. It's 28th in baseball. Right? I, would, I, I would take the bet of them not hitting 100 this year. That's not, I, I mean, in a, in a league where everyone hits home runs, that's. Ah, uh, they got humidors everywhere. We don't know what's in these humidors. Now, those teams. Cigars, baseballs. I, I, true. I, I know what humidors do. I know what a humidor does to my cigars. Keeps it from drying out. Keeps it moist. I'm wondering moist leather doesn't travel as far. But the turnover rate that we're going to see, what, what, what are the A's at? We're at, what, 43 players on the year? Yeah. And that's going to climb. You're going to tell me. It's June 3rd. You're going to tell me the A's are going to hit 104? We're a third of the seat. You, you play today a third of the season. It's gone. You think they're going to hit over 100 home runs? I mean, it doesn't look like it right now, but I'm being an optimist. Oh, you know what? I appreciate that. Yeah. It's an it's an yeah. optimistic Friday, and I have no problem with because that. Because if you look at those two other teams in 1968, that was the first year in Oakland. And the 1978, that team. But lost. the the ball the ball in the humidors is probably playing like the ball back in 1968. Uh, okay. Um, Reggie Jackson was on that team. True, but that was their first year in Oakland. And then in 1978, they only hit 100 home runs, uh, and that team that year lost 93 games. The next year, they lost 108. The fifth, the 79 eights. Well, the best advice that I really could give, if you think about it, is for these guys. You got nothing to lose. You know, where we are at this point, these guys have absolutely nothing to lose. I mean, you are in a situation to where, you know, a lot of organizations, and Dave O'Brien is walking over right now as we're going to have him uh, on our set. You know, the reality is a lot of these guys would not, would not be at the big leagues. They wouldn't be at the big leagues with other teams, as Dave is joining us now and as he knows. We've had him on the program so many times over the years, but because of COVID and everything, we haven't had you in person on our set here on the field. It is wonderful to fight face-to-face you finally too. meet. Great to see you, Chris. Great to be uh, – always great to be in Oakland. I love coming to Northern California. I've spent the previous three days up in Napa. That's correct, With, yeah, with my heard. wife and my daughter and visited some incredible – vineyards which we love to do we just don't get out here enough but it's always a pleasure yeah your daughter actually crashed my house the other day and uh, <laughs> so i've seen your daughter recently yeah and the great alex jensen who obviously fills in here yes and uh, that big ring that he gave her too so yeah we're all uh, we're also happy to have uh, alex as a member of our family very soon yeah you're having to plan a big wedding i hear coming up a couple of them uh sammy's younger sister caitlin gets married in september and then sammy about 
uh, 13 months later uh, down in uh, San Luis Obispo. So, yeah, we're going to spend a little more time in California than we normally would, which is great for us. Safe to say you're not retiring anytime soon. Apparently not. Yeah, that's what I've been told. I've been told it's the dad and mom's responsibility to pay for virtually everything. So that's the, but it's it's a great way to go. You know, I have uh, twin. I have 16-year-old twin girls. I'm just excited they're driving right now, <laughs> right. and that I can. Because you know our schedule, we're here late, and by the time you get home, and the next day you got to get up and take the kids to school. All these years yep. to actually now sleep in, as I know they're getting to school. Yeah. It's like it's changed my life. It is. But are they both good drivers, and who taught them how to drive? I tried. I was a little negative, I think, so the wife kind of stepped in. And she was Uh, probably a lot better at that because that's what happened in my house. One has has passed and is officially the driver. The other is like, well, if my sister's driving, I'm kind of (laughs) okay with just being in the side seat because they're not really going anywhere other than school. So I'm just, you know, I'm thankful that they're starting to – have teenage lives because yeah. they didn't have that for yep. for a few years. So oh, I'm especially happy about your it. yeah your kids and like all of mine are much older. We didn't go through COVID with them as youngsters and teenagers going to school like that. I cannot imagine what everybody everyone's listening to you and your and your family can imagine what you went through and now at least some semblance of normalcy again has to be a godsend really well well, and i think about like you and your career all the different sports that you do it's just not the red Sox. i mean for you going from a guy that's been doing this for so long to like now i'm putting you in a studio you're not at the game yeah Yeah. what has it meant for you and your career to get back out for all the all the different events it's incredible it's it reminded me of why i got in the business to begin with because the first time you put on these headsets that you and i are wearing right now here at the Coliseum, when you're a young announcer and you hear the roar of the crowd, that's why you do it. You really do. That electrifying sound of the roar of the crowd, that's why I wanted to become a sports announcer. And uh, you don't get that when you're doing games in studio. You hear that muffled sound coming from maybe 2,000 miles away piped into your headset. It's not the same as the feeling of immediacy the momentum that's actually palpable that comes through that headset. I miss that so much, and it's so great to be back doing games live. You know, i got to think about the pressure that's going to be put on this Red Sox team, and a lot of it is because what's happening across the bay with the Celtics coming on, being NBA Finals, huge win last night. Sorry, Warrior fans. Uh, we're, now, we're now doing this, by the way, just not just what we've been doing streaming we're now on Twitter. We're now on uh, YouTube. So they not only hear us, they can now see us. Wonderful. As we're growing this thing that we yeah. like to call Ace Cast Live. And, you know, across the bay last night, a huge upset win for the Celtics. I know Hein Bloom, what he did in Tampa. And you think about someone like Mookie Betts leaving, who's an absolute star. You know, there's going to – Bogarts, we're going to talk about that and everything. But how important is it for the Red Sox to play the big boy in baseball and be a big market team and get the Celtics doing what they're doing? Yeah, it's very real. And those franchises, and and I know you have a sense of this, but they really do push each other uh, in a very real way. Like the Patriots push everybody. They push the Red Sox. The Red Sox push the Celtics. Celtics push the Bruins. And when you think about all the championships that our region has been so lucky enough to be a part of all the parades we've had downtown Boston on the Charles River over the years, and now there might be another one. But I think that's very real. That There is a friendly competitive edge that each of them 
pushes on the other one. That's going on right now with the Celtics and everybody else because that's such a darn good basketball team. By the way, I'm watching the game, and I'm thinking going into the fourth quarter, that game's over. Yeah, It is over. They're <laughs> yeah. not going to – I mean, Steph will probably go off for another 21 points. The Celtics could not miss – and so that sets up a fascinating series, the rest of this thing. It, now it's must-see TV. If it wasn't before, it certainly is now. I know it is here and in Boston. I'm talking about for the rest of the country now. I think they're really going to get into this series. And you got two big market teams. you got a lot of uh, household names. A lot of the Celtics people are going to be here tonight with you guys in town. So it should be a lot of fun. And with Tom Brady, you know, for my years seeing Tom as I worked for the Raiders – and the greatness that was Tom Brady. And now that he's left, the Patriots aren't the same. So the Red Sox have always been number one in Boston. Even when Larry Bird was there, I mean, mm-hmm. even Bill Russell back in the day, I, I know, I, I know, uh, or in the Bruins. Is it back to Red Sox are king and everybody's a little bit below? Where are we in the hierarchy in Boston sports? You know, now I think, Chris, it's like whoever has the chance to win the next championship sort of ascends to the top of that pole. And right now, that's certainly the Celtics. But that wasn't anticipated when the season got underway because of Brad Stevenson leaving the sideline, going upstairs. They didn't get off to a good start. But now, they're the kings of the hill. And they're certainly the most popular franchise. But, you know, their season's either going to end with a championship or they're going to lose to the Warriors. It's still going to be perceived as a magical year. Then it's going to be right in the middle of summer. And the only game in town is going to be the Red Sox and there's going to be 37,000 fans a game there. This club has to be performing at a really high level if it wants to take that baton and move on and and pass that, hopefully, to the Patriots in the fall. But we don't know. I mean, May was a better month, certainly, than April for the Red Sox. They went 14-14 and in May, but this team got off to a horrible start. Right now they're leading the American League in runs scored. They couldn't score at all in April. So it's really the damage has been done with Trevor Story getting going. He had 32 RBIs in one month. And Xander Bogarts, Rafi Devers, who's really turned into a true superstar. He's a monster at the plate. Obviously, J.D. Martinez is having a great year. He's hitting 360. He's leading the American League in hitting. So a lot of things have come together. But initially, April was a dark month, and and, uh, everyone was really looking forward to the NBA playoffs. I think now the Red Sox are beginning to gain some momentum. Didn't finish this last homestand very well, but this is a big road trip starting tonight for them. I was worried for Story. I've interviewed him before. People that I know know him say he's a really good guy. When all of a sudden the comparisons, because of the contract to Carl Crawford, I went, that's not good. So I was glad to see him start hitting. But the one thing that I look at your guys' club and I see it all in baseball, and I know I sound like old man River about starting pitching and innings pitched. When you got 8,000 guys down there in the bullpen, it takes only one a night to screw it up for you when you're relying on so many guys. And if I look at the one issue, just looking at you guys from afar, I'd say the big problem has been bullpen. Yeah, it sure has, and not having a closer. And I think the idea coming in was Matt Barnes, who had been an all-star first half of last year, Really faded in the second half of last year for whatever reason, had a bad second half. The hope was he could regroup and take that job back. That hasn't happened. He's injured now. Strom really is the guy that is probably the most reliable guy for us at the back end. Diekman has been in and out when he's been good. He's been spectacular. When he's been bad, he's been bad. And I think A's fans can relate to seeing some of that. <laughs> but I think he's a, he's a guy that if he gets rolling – 
He'll strike out Stanton Judge and LeMahieu in New York on a Sunday night in order, and he's throwing 97, and you're like, well, that's the guy. But we really don't have a closer on this team, and it's a team with a you know north of $200 million payroll that doesn't have that stud locking up games, and that's a bit of a head-scratcher. So that's a huge topic back in Boston. Well, I'll tell you this. As a former bad college pitcher, I look at Evaldi going tonight, what I would have given to have 100 miles an hour, <laughs> 98 miles an hour. I would have given everything to have that. How's he given up so many home runs? That, I, I, it's That's like mind-blowing. He's allowed 16 home runs, which is the most in the major leagues. He gave up 15 all of last year. He did not allow a home run last year until the 22nd of May. He gave up two on opening day. That was more than he had allowed in the, the first three, four, five, six weeks of the season. So it's been a head-scratcher. That, that's another one that's been unusual. We've had a bunch of those. Like, how did that happen? How did we get? How did we lose five games by walk-offs in the month of April? You just don't do that. Yeah. A really good club that doesn't happen to, and yet you know the Red Sox are a good team. They are going to score a ton of runs. Nate Evaldi is a heck of a pitch. Nick Pavetta has been phenomenal for us. We the starting pitching's actually been pretty darn good. It all it all in the end comes back to you better lock up those games when you're up five to three in the seventh inning. We have not been able to do that enough, and that's why we got in this you know, 11-and-a-half game hold of the Yankees. Well, yeah, and it's all around baseball, too. Look, Joe Girardi lost his job today. I mean, I know their defense wasn't great, but whether whether it was Gabe Kapler, who now is with the Giants, he'll tell you. I mean, their biggest problem was bullpen. So, you know, I know there's there, there's been years. We had that one year where Blake Trinan had one of the greatest. You had a Dennis Eckersley year, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and Lou Trevino, and the whole bullpen was great. And we were coming out of the spring training next year going, that's our strength. Yeah. And then they were terrible. So it's yeah. like year to year. It is. It's so hard to build it, and who's going to be good, who's not. And I don't know, rhyme or re- give you any rhyme or reason why that is. Yep, and that's exactly what's happened with with our bullpen this season. What they're trying to figure out is seven, eight, nine, and we've got a young stud who we had to move into the rotation by the name of Garrett Whitlock, who if he stayed in the bullpen all season, he'd be an all-star. He's a good starting pitcher. And you always like your best arms. And he throws 97. He's got a, a nasty changeup. He's a terrific young pitcher. But if he stayed in the bullpen, that would have been one thing, maybe even closing out games. We've been forced to use him in a rotation. Chris Sale is not here. Eventually he will be. We've had some holes in the rotation that have needed to be filled. And, and so we've had to go that way. But I think come the second half, you'll see the Red Sox with one of those 17 wins in 20 games kind of stretches. I do but got to get that bullpen squared away. And that means they're active. They're looking for other guys. They're looking for arms who can help us late in games. I think it bets in L.A., and I still just shake my head. Like, how does – it's not like he was leaving the Kansas City Royals mm-hmm. or the Miami Marlins. Heck, the Oakland A's, let's be honest. Um, and you get a guy like that who could have a plaque in Cooperstown someday, and Red Sox fans will never forget that. I now think of Bogarts, who really – face not only kind of face of the franchise kind of guy but community guy right he's oh, really yeah. involved in the community best guy in the world like what do you like how are you not signing him up i know that's a tough question it is he's 30 years old tonight he breaks the franchise record for most starts at shortstop in, in red sox history tonight he does that so this is a momentous occasion for xander um the ultimate stand-up guy great in the community great in the clubhouse the kind of guy everyone looks at as the captain of the team, even though the Red Sox don't give out uh, the C for the captain. Um, it, it's a it's a discussion they had. They offered him one more year. 
He was offended by that. That was $30 million, but it was one more year instead of four years. He wants to finish his career with the Red Sox. His age, I think, is probably part of that equation. If it's me, Dave O'Brien, who's called every game he's played in, give me the checkbook. I'm signing him up for whatever he wants uh, because he's all of those things, and he should finish his career with the Red Sox. But I also see the business side of it because the guy next to him, Raphael Devers, is an astonishing offensive force. Hits for power, drives and runs. He leads the majors in hits right now, but he, he has more hard hit balls than anybody in the game, and that's true. He hits the ball harder than Vladimir Guerrero, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, anyone you want to mention. So you've got to sign him up. You just spent $140 million on story. Now you're saying we need a closer. We need to go you know, probably pay for a closer at some point. That's a lot of money. I mean, there is... The bank account's big in Boston. It's a huge budget, well over $200 million. But that doesn't mean there isn't an end point, too. So I got a funny feeling it's going to get done with Xander, especially if he continues to have the year he's having. But right now they're not talking contract. Well, I can tell you up on the North Shore in Massachusetts, uh, the Townsend family, you might have heard of Townsend Oil. Sure have. That's yeah. my family. They're all season ticket holders. So you're loaded, Chris. You're absolutely You're filthy rich. Okay, so... They're really, really rich. <laughs> My grandfather was the oldest, came out to fight in World War II, and uh, came back to San Diego from after World War II in the Pacific and said, I'm never going back to Boston again. So, And he became a fisherman. So they kept all the oil money, yeah. and we had to grow up in the tough, tough world of San Diego, uh, California. So, so sad for you. That must have been really difficult Fish tacos, flip-flops, flip yeah. and sunburns. I had it rough. Waking up every morning, and it's 75, and it won't get any hotter. Too bad for you. No, you're not. You never touched a shovel your whole life. A snow shovel. You know, surfing's not easy. <laughs> See, you guys think it's easy. It's not easy. Waxing that board is tough work. But yeah. the family will tell you they 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 want that checkbook for the players. Yes, they've well, got because they, they remind me all the time. They have the highest season tickets in all of baseball. They certainly do. The, the Red Sox do, and you know people pay a lot of money to go to the games. And it's as you know, it's work to go to a game at Fenway Park. Finding parking. Or as we say, parking Park. is not easy to do, and it's very expensive. The Everything you eat in the ballpark or purchase is incredibly expensive. It's a, it's a commitment beyond just being a regular fan. It's part of your, not just your summer, hopefully your fall too, but it's, it's part of your life. It's part of the fabric of your life, going to Red Sox games, following the Red Sox on radio, on TV. It's really special, and... Uh, and that's one of the reasons the Red Sox are able to, to charge the prices that, that they do. Well, you're going to park your car in Harvard Yard, right? Isn't park your car in Harvard Yard, and you'll go to, go to the packy and uh, get me a six-pack. <laughs> you know, it's, no, it's, it's a great place to live. It's a very demanding place to live, and you know this is true, of all the franchises. That's one of the reasons it, it fuels the success of these teams. No doubt about it. Well, congratulations with everything with the kids. Uh, it's going to be some big moments for you coming up here. Some big checks, I thought you were going to say. Yeah, there's no question. we got some big moments coming up and uh, a lot of wonderful, wonderful times to come, and some of them right here in California. Now, you've had an unbelievable career, and you've had a lot of big moments, but when you got to stand up at those two weddings and give the speech, tears flowing, how do you think that's going to work? Oh, it's going to be rough. Those are my girls now, my, my daughters. So, you know, my daughter, Sammy, is, is the one that our family says is, and this is good or bad, I don't know how you look at it, the most like dad. So she's known that since she was, you know, knee-high to me that everyone compares her to her father, but it's fine. And she went into broadcasting, too. 
Pac-12 Network. Works for the Pac-12 Network, yeah. and she's going to be here tonight. And you bet you it's going to be a very, very emotional time, no, no question. Well, we always appreciate you coming on, but it's great to see and finally you meet you face-to-face. You too, Chris. A pleasure, What man. you've done for us here, I truly appreciate Anytime it. Anytime you guys need me, I'm, I'm here, and I'm glad to come and bore you to death uh, talk about the Red Sox. So. And have a great call tonight. Thank you, my friend. Thank we you. we got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Kind of, you know, we used to joke on this show that High Bloom, CBO, Chief Baseball Officer? Yeah, Chief Baseball Officer of the Sox. They have a GM. But he's the Chief base. Of course, he's the guy that ran the Rays, but then got the job with the Red Sox. By the way, if, if he was in San Francisco or at least in the school district, he couldn't be Chief Baseball Officer. That's correct. They'd have to change his title. Yeah, I don't know what they – what would you put it? Because he's not the GM. So, VP of Baseball Operations? Uh, how about just President of Baseball Operations? I don't know. Whatever. Um, the fact that they are operating the Red Sox like they're the Rays is, is kind of fascinating. You know, we joked about it, right? But now when you really look at it, here you got a team. Think about this. You got a team – that wants to operate like the Oakland Athletics when the A's are doing well. I mean, obviously what we're seeing now is a different deal. But when the A's are having great success, it's the same way the Rays operate. I mean, listen to what Dave had to say. Bogarts is a face of the franchise player. He is not only what he does for the ball club, he's very big in the community. New England has embraced him. Remember, when you're dealing with the Red Sox, you're just not dealing with Boston, right? This is not a. This is just not a uh, one-town team. This is a region, right? It's New England, and this guy is beloved in New England. What did Dave say? The age? Thirty. Okay, this is something. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna be totally honest. Got to play a little golf yesterday. Ken Korak, Vince Catronio, and Shooty Babbitt. One thing we kind of talked about. And I said to Shooty, the great stout, and this is, I said it, no one responded really. I said this, you know what drives me nuts? Is that we sit here and talk about protecting a bunch of 20-year-olds. 
And all we want to do is protect guys. They can't go innings. They can't play that many games. Guys need days out. All we want to do is is protect guys in their 20s, and then once we they get when they get in their 30s, we want nothing to do with them. We don't want to sign them long term. So it's like I'm scratching my head. Now, wait a minute. You don't want to overuse them in their 20s, and then you don't want to commit to them in their 30s. What the hell are we doing in this sport? It makes no sense. You're going to tell me, great example, like they take Cole Irvin on Wednesday against Verlander. Cole Irvin could have gone longer, and you could, you could hear someone say, oh, Chris, but he was just recently on the IL for shoulder tendonitis. No, no, wait a minute. He had, we talked to Cole, and he'll be here. We talked to Cole. He did the rehab start in Vegas, which he didn't think he needed. He had the start before. He's gone through all the strength tests, inflammatories. Done all, he's fine. What are we saving him for? It's like once guys get in their 30s, it's now taboo. It's like, oh, my God, the guy's 31. He's 32. We act like Elvis literally is 40. Oh, my God, Elvis. How much do we talk about how old Elvis? Elvis is what, 32? 33. We're the same age. Did he just turn 33? Like end of last season, I believe. We act like he's 42 years old. He's 33 years old. Yeah. So well. do you get my point? Uh, we act like these guys in their 20s are precious China dolls that we have to protect them. But then they get in their 30s and we don't want it. They're too old and we don't want to make commitments. So when can we use these these players? We should. And next time we talk to David Force, we should talk. You know what? You know what you know what you should do in baseball? Since it's becoming very clear most teams don't want to commit long-term to anybody, you need to start treating everybody like they're running backs in the NFL. Oh. How do they treat running backs in the NFL? Five-year window. I'm going to have a guy for five years, and I'm going to run his ass into the ground, and after five years I'm getting rid of him. Right? Yes. And that's you're talking about the great ones, too, they do that with. Yeah. We're not I, talking about a middle-of-the-road middle guy. I got him for five years. And then after five years, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. I mean, that's what I would do. And I was just talking about the guy who's now to my left, and you can now see him on YouTube, and you can see him on Twitter. He's the lefty Cole Urban here on A's Cast Live. How are you? Great. What's up, A's fans? Live on YouTube. You like how we're stepping our game up? It's I love just this. Not, I mean, we're all we're multimedia just for you. I love I love this because now they're going to see me dance while we're on YouTube and the music's going on behind me. You know, it's a lot of ugly things that are going to happen now. But you are trying to get clicks, so keep doing whatever you're doing. <laughs> um, we 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 have a problem with you, and I hate to say it, and oh, I and I don't no. want to start out negative. Because, you know, I want to be positive. Well, as long as we end with a positive, we'll be all right. But we have a major negative, kind of a bone mm, to pick with you. Okay, all right. You're only the 12th fastest pitcher in baseball. You're not top 10. Well, it's these dang hitters that take their time in their batting routines that I think is the problem. I don't think it's me because I'm standing there ready. I, when I saw Shane Bieber was number one, and I mean, it wasn't he, you. I mean, he works fast. I mean, he's been working fast since college. But but you're 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 Johnny fast. I thought you I thought you'd at least be. But I, okay, top okay. Five. My my counter I think has to be with runners on first, and I hold. I, I vary my holds. I vary my speed that's and true. timing because the All runners right. right in front of me. So I think that's kind of where right-handers my right-handers just going. He didn't hold. I, I, do, does right do right-hand pitchers even? 
old people I, anymore? I, I don't even know. I don't think so. I don't think they pay attention. I don't to. think so. I mean, with our catchers, there's no reason to. I mean, we got arms behind the plate. So, you know, with Betancourt and Murph, I mean, they're going to throw guys out no matter how fast you, you gotta are. you got to kind of, with Betancourt back there, you got to watch your lips with that ball coming back fast. I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he takes great BP, too. On top of not only having a great throwing arm, but I mean, yeah, no, yeah, 100%. The, we got two of the best arms in the league, you know, behind the dish. So um, base runners is, it's going to be interesting to see how many guys steal on us this year. When the notes came out that StatCast had this pitch tempo deal, I immediately thought of you and I thought, I love this. Like now we're going to really know who's a sloth out there, yeah. and who are the guys that when you pitch fast, your defense loves it. We were talking to Kevin Smith about that going, you're on, hey, ball's coming, you got to be ready. You're, on, you're, I mean, you're ready to play versus yeah. sitting there. And we actually did a timer on, like, what 30 seconds is like, just to sit here for 30 seconds and wait. I mean, it's a really long it's a time. long time. You're such a better pitcher. The way you get into a groove, you're in a groove, everybody else is in a groove, yeah. working quick. And I'm glad we're – and aren't you glad as someone that means a lot to your game that we're now actually going to look at it and talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that, that definitely needs to be talked about. Um, you know, that there's, you know, there's one thing about having a routine, and then there's another thing about working at a pace that actually gets you going and gets, gets – uh, you get comfortable and you get into a rhythm and the game works actually faster in your favor. And, like – I mean, you can you saw it the other day. I mean, Verlander works, you know, at a regular rate and yeah. you know works pretty quick. And I mean, he was throwing well. He got into a groove, and then I was working quick as well. I mean, yeah, I had a runner on first most of the time, but I mean, even then, with no runners on, still working quick, and we you know got through that ball game two and a half hours or something like that. And so you know, it just it just goes to show that if you are working quick and working at a good tempo you know, the games are going to speed up. They, they will. They just happen naturally. But, I mean, it's it's on the guys holding the ball first, and that and I take a look in the mirror at that. So, um, if I'm not working quick, um, there, there's got to be something going on or something I'm thinking about because, you know, that's, that's part of my game. That's how I pitch consistently. When you go up against a lineup like the Astros mm -hmm. where they really are one of the few lineups in baseball that can beat you, Every single way. They got the power. They got the contact hitters. They can. What's it like preparing for them and getting ready for a ball club and then going out and implementing that plan? I mean, not just the Astros. I mean, the rest of the league. I mean, it's Major League Baseball. We're, you got to prepare for teams to be able to put damage numbers on you. And, and, yeah, the Astros have a lot of depth and damage. So, you know, it's trying to limit that, trying to make good pitches um, early. And, you know, there, there's a lot of – I would say amongst just all teams, like, you can't take, you know, the bottom part of the lineup for granted because they can do damage. Yeah. And, you know, we're in the major leagues. So, you know, being able to prepare, knowing who, who can put more damage on you, know who put us a little less, know who guy, you know, what guys put in play, you know, what pitches they like, or what they're seeing well right now. You know, all that stuff is a factor in terms of game planning. And, um, you know, I like looking at one of my, the stats that I look at is – their last 10 at-bats and their last 30 at-bats against left-handed left pitchers. What are they doing? What are they seeing? And, uh, you know, the averages can flip a lineup. They, you know, guys in the 3-4 hole could actually be not doing as much damage at that time as the 7-8 guys. 
So now you know you got to be a little bit more careful with the guys that are seeing the ball well at the bottom of the lineup. So, I mean, it's, there's a constant balance um, all year about, you know, who's hot, who's not, and, and that's what's fun about this game and pitching. And, uh, but, yeah, the Astros, I mean, they, they just got a great, great lineup up and down, whether or not you believe whatever they did. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, a different time, and now they're, you know, they're like the rest of us. And, you know, they still have the bats to, to do damage, and you have to be able to manage it in the best way you can and, and limiting, you know, solid contact. And, and, and I think that's what I do well is, is I pitch to miss barrels, and I don't, I don't necessarily pitch to miss bats. I can tell you where I sit right up here in the press box, and all of a sudden they come and take you out. All of a sudden my papers are flying all over. I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> Keep him in there. I, I mean, it drives me nuts. You don't necessarily have to comment on this now that I think about it, but it drives me nuts because there's a problem to me when you're going to use four – five six relievers it takes one guy to have an off night for that whole thing to fail and i got a guy like you i it's like this what bugs me i don't know if it but i can ask you this with (laughs) either of us get in trouble does it bug you that around the league that they feel if you give up one or two runs and it's the third time through the order that oh god we got to make changes why can't we work through stuff like pitchers used to? Uh, you're asking, you're, you're preaching to the choir on my end on that. You know, there, there's a lot of times where I feel like, you know, a, a good example uh, the other day, you know, I come out of the game five and two thirds and, um, you know, I'm an out and away from a quality start. In my mind, I love quality starts. I love being able to give the team a chance to win. Um, you know, I want that ball. And I was kind of, I was kind of soft in showing Kotze that I wanted to stay in there. I, should have tried a little bit harder. Um, what do you say to him? I kind of waved him off on the mound, but he didn't see me wave him off. And so maybe next time I just try to tell him when he comes out to the mound. But he already called for an arm, so I didn't really try all that hard. I'll be so, honest. So, yeah, if, he, if he's I already – His he's, head was down when I was, like, doing, like, one of these. Like, no, stay in there. Like, I don't I don't want him to come out. And like, yeah, you're kind of done. So, yeah, it was more so, like, fun on my part. I was like, I wanted it. But I knew he was looking down and he wasn't going to give it to me. So I was like, all right, I mean, I, I'll, I'll take it. So, you know, again, sometimes decisions need to be made. And we're in a one-run ball game there. Verlander's throwing well. We don't know how that game's going to shape out. I think, I think in, all in all, you know, that, that's a good decision. You know, you got to think about situations. And, um, you know, the bottom of their lineup was, was hitting me a little bit more um, than the top of the lineup. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing about pitching right now, and I'm noticing, is, is that third time through. A lot of teams aren't letting starters go through that third time through. At all. And what's interesting on my end, being a pitcher and pitching to contact, I'm going to see that third time through. And But you got to prove that you can do it. you got to prove that um, you can make pitches um, and pitch guys three different times, you know, three different ways in, in a game. And so – that, that, to me, is, is pitching, is being able to show guys different things. I think one of the at-bats that stood out the most to me was uh, uh, Alvarez in my last start is facing him three times, you know, solid bat. You know, his second at-bat, I threw him too many sliders. And then that last time, I, I broke his barrel, you know, on fastball in. And so in that first at-bat, I was pounding him in too. So, I mean, I kind of got off my game plan in that second at-bat, but I went back to it. And 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 it, and it showed up to be a good thing, you know. Got out of that, you know, fifth inning, and and was able to be in there for the sixth. So, I think those just those those small things kind of go a long way when when you're 
still learning to pitch at this level and and showing that you can prove to you know pitch through three times through the order and, and stuff and so that's pitching isn't easy um you know hitters make those adjustments and as a pitcher you got to as well and you got to be ahead of it you know one thing that when you look at starting pitchers like you pitch and then the world forgets about you for a few days right it's like now we don't because we see all the stuff that you do but just tell the audience how much work the volume of work you guys will do doesn't have to be all physical a lot can be mental too mm -hmm. with watching the video and watching things and, and, and as you said gearing up looking at the last 10 games or how many games or just talk about what you do in between starts yeah I mean between starts it's for me it's a little bit simpler um, you know today I got a I do a long run um, got a lower lower body lift and then uh, tomorrow I got a bull, uh, bullpen and uh, my last bullpen I threw it like 60, 65 percent. I don't think I had a fastball over 70 miles an hour in my bullpen. But I, what I was trying to do was trying to throw fastballs, you know, on, on both sides of the plate. I was splitting the plate, nothing in the middle. I, I didn't throw anything in the middle. It was trying to hit the corners and trying to hit all quadrants of the corners. So, you know, up, middle, and, and down. And so, you know, bullpens are intentional. You know, tomorrow I'm probably going to be working on a little bit more slider, um, slider cutter action. Um, just to tunnel those a little bit better, um, you know, and, and that's kind of the in-between there. And then, and then, you know, we got two days up until Atlanta. Um, I will go into the yard on the off day to, to get some work in, um, get a little light lift and, and stuff. So, I mean, we're lifting, we're working out. As a starter, it's four, four days a week that we're lifting and, and running, and, and then we get our start day. And then even after our start day, we're riding the bike for 20, 25 minutes after the start. So we're – we work hard, um, you know, the, the programs here um, is kind of tailored to whatever you need and they learn you as you go um, and, and they help you as much as they can and, and just a great staff, support staff here just that helps us every, every day. You know, I think about golf and I think about how that works for like what you guys do. So if you're gonna play golf that day and you go out to the range, you're working on what you do well because that's what you got to play with. On a day where you're not playing, you're just going to the range, you can switch grips. You can do all kinds. Mm -hmm. I can try and hit a cut. I can hit a fade. I can, I, mean, yeah. I can try and draw it. I can yeah. try and do all. So for you, when you talk about your bullpen like tomorrow, will you concentrate more on refining what you do well or trying to fix what you want to make better? Start to start. It's, between, it's start to start for me. Um, because, like, if I come off a game where I was throwing bad sliders, I want to throw more sliders in the bullpen and just get that feel back of what a good slider feels like at the, at the tips of my fingers. Um, some guys throw the same routine every time. You know, everyone's different. And so to me, I kind of tailor it to kind of what I've been doing well, what I haven't been. So I kind of balance it the best way I can. But the other day, sometimes you just need to relax. You kind of need a lighter day. So I just did fastballs only and, and didn't try to overwork myself through 25 pitches, but still wanted to to get something out of it and it was all about command at the at the end of my release point and just trying to feel it out front and so again like kind of similar to golf like there's there's that refining point that we do but you know with where we're at um sometimes you got to think about the lineups coming up sometimes you there's a lot of things that kind of go into a bullpen day and, and i definitely think about it um you know there's some days where i'm gonna wear a wear a jersey there's some days where i'm not like it's depends on the day it depends on how i've been going you know what the rhythm's like 
Um, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. And as I say it, I'm definitely, definitely in my own head about it for sure. Now I'm going to be watching tomorrow. <laughs> oh I'm going to be, I'm going to be up in the press while is he wearing a jersey start, today? What is he I, doing? I started talking about it and I went, oh my gosh, I overthink my bullpens way too much. <laughs> I need to relax a little bit more. That's what we do here on Ace Cast Live. <laughs> we, we get the real of what's going on. How much, whether it's you, because you guys all talk a lot. You guys are a great support system for each other. How much do you guys got to make sure in a game of failure you don't get too down on yourself? We fail every day. I mean, a, a ball a ball in our you know total pitches category is, is, is a failure. Um, sometimes it's. A success, a successful failure. If we're trying to throw balls, I mean, earlier in the year I was trying to throw a little bit more balls because I was in the zone too much. Um, so you know, there's there's times where, you know, I think a good example is you know when we get hit around a little bit. You know, I think the starters are really good at coming in and and supporting each other about like what we're seeing from the sidelines and what we're seeing from the dugout. You know, hey, you're rushing a little bit too far down the plate or. Hey, I think I think you should have gone fastball here with that you know location. And the next time they face that hitter, it's they, they they execute it. And you know with Frankie, I know we tell him a lot to throw his splitter. And it's not not a knock on him. He just he gets into the rhythm of the game like all of us. They tell me the same thing on my changeup. You know we just want to want to get on it. We want want to throw it hard. And and again that's just, it's just player to player. It's it's different guy. You know Captain Knight will probably tell him something. And we're just honest with each other in the moment because we'd rather know now than, than know after the game when we could have made the adjustment. And so that's the biggest thing, I think. Uh, from the starters core, it, that's that's what we talk about. We, we're, we're in each other's ear daily about stuff. Even even just on catch play sessions, we're watching each other. You know, are we are we taking it seriously? Are, are we out front? Are we? There's a lot of things that, that we take care of and, and we make sure that we don't get lazy. You know, I always thought like Mariano Rivera, like, what does he do in bullpens? He just throws the same pitch over and over again. <laughs> I don't. That's a good question. Like, why do they ever even put down sides? Like, like anyone's like. Everyone knows, knows what's coming. I mean, did, did they, were they going to trick you <laughs> one time with a, a pitch that wasn't a cutter? There's he a threw cutter. it every <laughs> single pitch. Oh, uh, I think I told Danny the other day. I think I forget who we were facing, but I, said, I think everyone in the ballpark knew he was throwing a curveball. I think it was to Nathaniel Lowe or something like that. <laughs> everyone knew except for him. Except, except for low, and he struck out on a curveball, and it was just like, that's his best pitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think there's a lot of guys in the league that you know what he's going to throw. I just, you know, but, you know, some of these guys, when your stuff's that good, you could be out there and be like, hey, I'm throwing that. Like when Frankie's got his split going, oh, it's, it's like he could tell you, I'm throwing it. What are you going to do about it? It's aggravating. As a guy that throws 90 miles an hour, it's aggravating. It's watching 98 and then a 90-mile-an-hour splitter. And I'm just like, that's just not fair. Well, think about it like Evaldi has given up 16 home runs. Can you imagine if you had a 100-mile-an-hour fastball no. to go with your stuff? No, I feel like I'd be in the training room a heck of a lot more. I don't like being in there. You'd have no hitters if you had. If you had a hundo, <laughs> if you had a hundo. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably, maybe. I, I I had 98 out of the bullpen. In, Did you in really? In Philadelphia, yeah. God, how good was that? That was the coolest feeling ever. It was in Cleveland, actually. Was when I when I did it. Was I, that a juice gun or was no that? no no? It was. I mean, it was clean. It was clean. It was a clean ninety eight. It was ninety eight point two. So I mean, where'd I got a go? point two on there. Where'd it go? I have to start. I have to save energy. 
So if you we, know, so I was surprised. I was surprised that a lot of people don't know this, but I'll just share it. A lot of us starters pitch at like 90, 95 percent. Of course, because you you'd be burnt by we, the third, fourth right, inning. Yeah. Right. Frankie, I think, is almost max effort, except for on a splitter, and we have to tell him that. But I think for the most part, we <laughs> we 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 just try to conserve our energy because we're trying to get deep in that ball game, and and a lot of people when I'm giving lessons in the offseason, you know, ask, like, why aren't, why aren't you trying to, like, train to throw harder? Well, I was like, because I want him I – want, I want them to throw accurately first. I said, when your body develops and, and gets stronger, you know, that's when the velo comes. And, and velo is just, just such an interesting thing to me. There's so many different ways to kind of teach it with driveline and all that. Well, I'll tell you this. But, every broadcast, I got to do a farm report. So I'm always looking at our minor league teams – Oh, we're training them to throw all out in starts because they're only going three innings. Yeah, but, like, that's the thing is, like, now you're not teaching how to, like, manage a lineup going, you know, two, three times through in order. And, like, I think that – I think the – for me, the minor league schedule being only six games and having six starters kind of hurts learning how to pitch to a team twice in the same, you know, in the same week. Um, I'm not sure what, what we do on the minor league side, but, I mean – at least when I was in AAA, AA, like being on that five-man rotation, man, it and we faced the same team in a week, knowing that I had them twice, I had to learn a lot about how, how to throw a team six different ways and, and, and do it three times in the night. And that's, that, to me, is, is, what, is, is what makes pitching so fun is, like, there's so many different ways right now that you can go about coaching. Like baseball is a really fun time right now where you can teach velo or you can teach command. You can kind of do it all right now, and both are going to work and get you to the pinnacle of the game. And and but all in all, like back to my original statement, is like 90, 95 percent uh, effort out of starters, and then we have that in our bag to be able to throw 95, 96. And and I've I've showed it in a few starts this year where you know I've gotten up to 95, and that's when I'm trying to empty the tank. Well, you're not going to have to worry. By the time you retire, pitchers will starters will only go twice a month. They'll get they'll, they'll get. <laughs> We're going to have seven, eight-man staffs. What, you, what do you think, about 12 starts a year will be good? Golly, 12 I don't starts? know. 12 starts? Yeah. yeah. Chasing mean, records of the 12-start-a-year record? Oh, man. <laughs> I, 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 Yeah, there's there, there are some areas I hope baseball doesn't go down. 20-man bullpens? Yeah. The pitch clock, is to me, is one thing that I hope that we don't get too happy with because I feel like a routine is good in an at-bat. A routine is good when you're on the mound. Um, you know, foul balls happen. That's when you take your time to reset. And if you got to be on the mound to be ready to throw a pitch, to me that, like, I've seen, I, I was watching uh, when I was in Stockton, watching that pitch clock, man, it was just, it's just so fast. It's just, it's so fast that you actually can't think and you just, just react. And I, I feel like learning the game is very hard to do when you're trying to go hyper speed in baseball. And so, but again, it's cutting down time in games, so by a lot. By a lot, it, it is. It is. And the numbers are their numbers are crazy, but uh, there's still a level of understanding and learning the game that I feel like needs to be had at those levels. And if you're running through a game as fastly as it can, what what are you learning from the game? How are you breaking that down? How is it how is it affecting you know a growth of a player, uh, especially young players at, at that level? So it's it's interesting. I have a lot of thoughts on that. We could probably talk about that at a different time. We got all the time <laughs> in the world. Now they're, they're going to wrap me up here. Uh, 
quickly, you know what? You guys have been better on the road than at home. It's bottom line. You're going to finish the series, go back on the road. Is, is that something that in the back of your guys' mind that you, you understand, you know that sometimes, hey, hey, let's get on the plane, let's go. It's better for us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's hard to say this year because, I mean, we, we're in here every day grinding and, and really trying to win um, games at home. I mean, but I think our bats, you know, in, in opposing ballparks kind of show up a little bit more. Um, you know, and, that, and that's just plain and simple. I think pitching's going to stay the same. I mean, it doesn't matter where we go, pitching's going to stay the same. Um, I think just offensively, a few through the balls that we hit here go out in other ballparks, and maybe that's – I think that's all it is. And and so, you know, it could be kind of a, a thing to think about, but at the at the end of the day, we're trying to win at home as just as much as we're trying to yeah. win on the road. Um, so I, I don't really have an answer. I, I think we're always ready to play. We're always – we don't care who's in the other uniform, and – we just we want to win ball games and we don't like losing. I'll tell you that. I mean, that's the the loss the other day. You just hurt a little bit, um, and I'm glad we had the off day to kind of reflect and kind of reset. And uh, there's a lot of good energy today in the in the locker room. So, to hopefully we can carry carry this into a series win against a, a good Red Sox team. All right. So let's just end with this. As long as pitch tempo, your top 15. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. Okay. Yeah, top, top 15, 15. Try to get top 10, but I know that withholding runners at first as a left-handed pitcher, it's going to – If you were right-handed, where would you be? I'm pretty sure I'd be at the top. I'd be curious to see who the who the righties and lefties – like if there is if there is a discrepancy between – You think my crack staff would be able to come up with this information? Yeah, I, especially How when How many we, lefties are in the top 10? <laughs> are we sliding him? Is that not – I didn't even think <laughs> no, about that. No, remember, I set this to minimum 250 <laughs> pitches because they have Wade Miley in there who hasn't thrown that many pitches yet this year. He's at like 11 seconds with nobody on base, but he's only pitching certain – so I set it to 250. But, but what if Cole is, is your 12th, but all 11 guys are right-handers in Good, front of you? Right, right. Then that's not fair. Yeah, exactly. That that that's called so that, ba- that's analytics that are <laughs> crap. Uh, hold on, I'm holding up. Then they, they they you know technically then they should have a righty versus lefty. Could yeah, you Make could a left column, righty column. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because yeah. All right, minimum two hundred fifty pitches. Shane Bieber, righty. Righty. Aaron Ashby, he, he's a, from the Brewers. I think he's a lefty. Uh, Steven Matz, lefty. Alex Wood, okay. lefty. Okay. Logan Webb, wow, righty. A lot of lefties up there. Our, uh, our Mike, I need to speed things up. Uh, the, the next lefty after. Um, would be Nestor, Nasty Nestor. Nasty? Drew nasty. Smiley, David Peterson, also a lefty. Gosh. Then you, and then Sean Manai. Wait, David Peterson, then me? Uh, yes. Yeah, go Ducks. Oh. And then Manai is <laughs> after you. So you're ahead of Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, that's the, yeah, totally. Beat you. <laughs> Got him. You know, Got him not, in one category. It's, it's not too long from now that we will not talk baseball and we will talk Pac-12 football. Hey, we're we're hey, we're not you know that far, far. We're summertime. Before Speaking you know it, up, we're going to hit August, and it's yeah. going to be let's get her going. Yeah, college baseball right now going on. I think the Ducks are on right now, so I got to go in and start watching. Thank you very much. Have, awesome stuff. Always fun having having me on. So it's always it was a great time. Thank you for having me. It's the Mark Kotze show next right here on A's Cast Live. 
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's lastdivebar.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. We are live from the field here for A's Cast Live every single Friday. It's time for Mark Kotze. It's the Mark Kotze Show, which will run throughout the week. But you're listening now. You get to hear the skipper. It's now time for the Mark Kotze Show, brought to you by Nest Betting. Check out their locations in the Bay Area for all of your betting needs, or you go to nestbetting.com. Check out the beds, the pillows, the bedding, and it sheets. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order. That's Nest Betting locations in the Bay Area, or go online, nestbetting.com. Skip, how are you today? Doing great. We just uh, coming off an off day, which uh, I think uh, was much needed. Guys got a chance to go out and and have some fun, maybe play some golf. I know you played golf yesterday, so um, we talked about a great golf score for yourself and a seventy nine. It's not bad. Yeah, I'm trying. You know, I mean, when we and and I know, you know, because we all live this lifestyle, right? Whether you're a coach, you're a player, you're a broadcaster, you're someone who works for the organization. I don't think people realize when you go for 13 or 15 or whatever it is, straight days, how important it is to really have a special off day where you do relax, but you got to take care of family stuff. I know you go back home to be with the family. Just talk about what you preach to the players and your coaches about how to really take care of your business and cherish those off days. Yeah, no question. You really got to find a way to disconnect. And, uh, you know, this game is challenging in itself uh, just in terms of results, but also uh, the physical challenge of of just the everyday um, grind of of coming and competing and playing, uh, you know, 162 games in in uh, 180-plus days. So when you get that day off, you really do need to give yourself a mental blow as well as the physical side. And some guys, you know, they, they take advantage of, of getting, you know, their body worked on or, um, or just basically going out and like, like you did play golf and, and just lose your mind uh, away from the game. And, and really, uh, for those that have families in town, you know, just enjoy the kids. Um, you know, whether I remember my days going to the parks and just sitting there and watching the kids, you know, play on the playground, um, just gives you a release, you know, and it's all, it's good, especially after, like you said, 13 days in a row. So when I think about your shortstop and I think about leadership, you know, everybody thinks about leadership as a guy who's a rah-rah guy and he's giving speeches and, 
in the olden days, they'd turn over the spread and all this kind of stuff. But really, some of the great leaders, I think Marcus Simeon, who I know you're tight with, was one of those guys who truly led by example. You knew that that guy came every day, worked hard. Everybody noticed it. And if Marcus Simeon is out there busting his butt, you better be out there busting your butt. And I see that with Elvis and everything Elvis has accomplished in this game and where he's at in his career. What has he meant to you guys as a leader, especially as lately he is absolutely red hot? He has been swinging the bat very well. And uh, as we talked about in spring training, this guy's a true professional. He comes prepared to play the game every day. Uh, His impact in that locker room in that regard, he's, uh, you know, he's been in this game a long time. He's been very successful and, uh, and he continues to just grind. Um, you know, it's, it's a testament to how he takes care of his body, you know, after the end of the season, um, as his third base coach, when I was rounding him around third and he, and he, uh, was injured and basically broke his bone into his ankle or foot, uh, and he scores, right. Sliding in home. That says so much about who he is as a person. And, and we really didn't know what to expect in terms of his timeline and getting back to us this year exceeded all expectations and uh, and is continuing to go out and perform on a daily basis for us. God, that was so gruesome. Like, I mean, we, we kind of forget about it, but the fact that he did score and go through everything that he went through in the off season, it, it's, it is pretty amazing when you look out there and you're like, he's playing every day. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. But it doesn't surprise us. Those that know him uh, know the competitor. Uh, and know the drive. He wants to continue to play until he's 38, 39, 40. So, you know, we've I've started those discussions with him in terms of just, hey, we're going to need to give you some rest. We're going to, you know, we may need to think about your role going forward in the future um, because it, it is a difficult uh, task to go out and play a, a very demanding position at, at 33 on a daily basis and play as many games as you're used to playing. So, I know he's thought about it. He's talked to some of his former teammates, the Adrian Beltres of the world, and and uh, and they're also helping him in that. Uh, you know, when we get older, we do need more rest. We need more days off, and uh, and there will be at some point if you want to stay in this game uh, and continue to play a transition into a uh, into a utility role. Well, you know, a lot of people don't really think about it, but we have all lived it. And when you lose just a little bit whether it's a little bit of flexibility, it's a little bit of your eyesight, just a little bit, you know, it's a dramatic change. And as you said, if you want to play into your late thirties, you know, is it easy to help a guy to try and cope with that? Knowing that, Hey, listen, your body will change as you age. Yeah, that's never easy. Um, I think just speaking on a, on a personal level, uh, looking back at, at when I, um, was starting to transition my career, mostly from the two back surgeries, but really the aging process, the aging curve, you really got to train harder than ever off the field and keeping yourself in shape. And, um, but then, you know, you also have to be a good self-evaluator. And, uh, and a lot of us aren't good self-evaluators when it comes to, uh, you know, looking at, at how we're performing or whether we feel we can go out and hit a 98 mile an hour fastball we're always going to say we can right because of our ego and our pride but at some point you got to realize that you're cheating to hit that heater and, <laughs> and you're, you know you're guessing fastball and you're looking really bad on the changeup. but uh you know that's part of the that's part of the process uh when we get older as players 
Um, and I, and I'm sure, um, you know, for those of us in this room, the, the coaching staff and those that have grinded through it, we, we all will uh, be a part of that. You know, obviously you, you gotta have some moments that you enjoy, especially when you're on a little bit of a losing streak. And I think of Bethancourt going yard for the first time in forever. How much did everybody get a kick out of that? No, we all enjoyed it. We've been waiting for Bethancourt to, to run into one. Um, you know, you come out, you get a chance to get here early enough when we take batting practice to watch his pure power. Um, he hits the ball as far as anyone, um, and that's including, uh, you know, Sean Murphy in that conversation that, that can impact the baseball and hit it really far. So, um, you know, it's been a long time coming for, for Beth. Uh, I think I saw something over over 2,000, I don't know if it was days or games or um, it's probably not games because I don't think he's played 2,000 games here, but um, a long time coming, and, and I think it was really exciting for, for him, and, and, uh, and, and what, a, what a great reward uh, for the grind that he's been through to get back to this major league level. This weekend, we're going to have uh, much bigger crowds, especially on Friday night tonight with the fireworks and Red Sox in town. How nice is that going to see for you guys, the team, a ballpark that's much fuller. Well, we'll definitely uh, feed off the energy. Um, you know, one thing we, we do need to, to play better at home or find a way to win at home. Um, we've had success on the road. I think we're a 500 team at this point on the road. Um, but having people in the stands this weekend, playing a good quality baseball team in, in the Red Sox, um, there's some exciting stuff going on this weekend. We can talk about the 72 World Series team that we're honoring. Um, you know, the, the fireworks tonight. Um, so it, it's a fun weekend. We're excited about it. And, uh, you know, looking forward to going out and playing good baseball. Will you talk to the players at all about the, the 72 team, which obviously was the start of three straight championships, 72, 73, 74? Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be out there. Um, love for the guys to, to get a chance to meet some of these guys if there's an opportunity to bring them through the clubhouse. Um, you know, we'll, we'll try to make that work. Um, you know, I, I read an article, and obviously the 72, 73, 74 years were prior to uh, me being born. So, <laughs> you know, I've, I've learned a lot about this team and, and the, gen, the, you know, the Gene Tennis MVP, um, you know, having to be, be taken to the ballpark separate from the bus. Um, some great stories. I mean, I know Blue Moon owed them a little bit from being around the club, uh, you know, been around Reggie Jackson a little bit, Raleigh Fingers, Vita Blue, uh, Campy, uh, Joe Rudy, all those guys will be out here. So it should be a fun fun day for, for them and, 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 and ourselves. Yeah, you think about the run of all the straight years in the playoffs and in the middle of that, uh, three straight World Series. Is that just when you think about it as a player, as a coach, and now a manager, winning three straight, how hard that is, the grind – that 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 every year the excellence that you have to have just can you put it in perspective and think about what that would be like to win three in a row yeah you know um i'm trying to think of a modern team is did i don't believe the yankees won three in a row in the 90s did they yeah they're, um, they're the last ones to win three in the a row. last one so yeah um really really remarkable um you know and and like you say yeah as a player I never got an opportunity to be in a World Series. Um, I was a part of a team that did end up winning a World Series in 1997, which was the Florida Marlins. I was up on that team for 18 days. And 
and uh, and got to feel what it was like to be a part of that championship team. But um, you know, it, it's a it's a real testament to to those that group of guys, um, and and not only the team, but from the ownership perspective, and uh, and and their willingness to 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 keep these guys together and 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 provide them what they needed year in year out to to get to that uh, World Series and, and not only get there but but to win it. Well, you know, baseball historian, baseball historians have always said if Mark Kotze doesn't come up for those games in '97, they don't win the World Series there in, in Florida. <laughs> Downey, I appreciate the the humor, <laughs> buddy. Um, you know, it was it was fun being there, though. The, the team, the group of guys, Gary Sheffield, and uh, you know Devon White, and Moises Alou, and Kevin Brown, and so there were guys in the middle of their careers, you know, that, that really helped me in the beginning of my career. So I look back at them, uh, their mentorship and, and then and was blessed to have them around me. Um, we spoke about this prior to, uh, you know, doing this interview when, you know, there's, there's great teams and then there's you know, teams that you, you grind with. And so, uh, that was a great team to be a part of, for sure. They, they were a phenomenal team, and I wish Wayne Huizinga wouldn't have broken that up because it would have been interesting to allow those guys to keep adding to that team and see if they could have maybe won one or two more because there was so much talent. And Jim Leland there, it was, uh, it was a hell of a run. Let's talk about your bullpen. You know, there's ups and downs. You try and tell people, especially in the postgame show, that, you know, we talk about the season being a roller coaster ride bullpens there's going to be times where everybody's hot there's going to be times where everybody's going to be cold there's going to be times where some guys are hot some guys are cold so what's it been like you so far dealing with a bullpen yeah i thought um you know the first let's say four weeks or five weeks of 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 our year our bullpen um, we were able to align those guys with with uh you know soft entries you know you got to remember a lot of these guys are first time rookies down there at this level so um you know we're in we're in to the season far enough now um where you talk about you know the the day in day out demand of the bullpen the usage uh you know you can look at it in terms of um you know maybe they maybe they're a little tired maybe they're going through some learning curves uh you know, maybe the league has figured them out a little bit. They know their mix uh, in terms of their pitches. So, um, you know, again, when when you're looking at a track record and in the bullpen right now, uh, you know, that's Zach Jackson, it's Danny Jimenez, it's you know Parker Markle, it's Austin Pruitt, AJ Puck, um, you know Sam Selman. You know, the only guy down there right now that's been a major league bullpen reliever and a uh, that has time really, or, you know, a significant amount of time is Lou Trevino. So and Lou's pitched better of late um, in situations we've brought him in. He's been successful. So uh, it's a roller coaster. It's a long year. Those guys have a very demanding job. You could sit there for a couple of days and not get into a game, but um, you know, we're going to go through that. And every team goes through those bullpen up and ups and downs and hot hands. And when you find one, you ride them and, um, you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a grind right now where, um, you know, we're, we're going to continue going forward with these guys and, and continue to believe in them and to continue to build confidence in them. Let's end on this. I always like to end on a positive and obviously today, this is going to air on A's cast live, but we'll run the entire week until we talk to you next week in Cleveland. 
you know, there are times where you just say, hey, listen, the home, home hasn't been good. But on the road, you guys are 13 and 13. Is sometimes when things aren't going well at home, you can actually look forward to the road and say, hey, the road is a good place for us. Well, it has been so far this year. And, you know, again, uh, this weekend we want to we want to win a series here against Boston. Uh, they're a good club. Um, they've been swinging the bats better. Uh, we'll go on the road to Atlanta, which obviously is a World Series championship team, uh, and then off to Cleveland before we speak again. So Atlanta, Cleveland, two good ball clubs, two good cities, um, and we'll look forward to catching back up uh, next Friday, Tony. All right, buddy. You be well and enjoy this series. We're going to have a, quite a few fans out the next three days, and we'll talk to you in Cleveland on Friday. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. The Mark Katze Show brought to you by Nest Betting. Check out Nest Betting locations in the Bay Area or you go online to nestbetting.com. Love where you sleep. Use the coupon code Oakland for your mattress, your pillows, your sheets. Support our sponsors, for God's sakes. They're huge A's fans. Go to nestbetting.com or check out their locations in the Bay Area. You look like you got something to say. No, I don't have anything to say. Uh, I'm just scoreboard watching. Uh, all rise. Here comes the judge, first player to 20 home runs this year. By the way, Joe Girardi fired. We're looking out already. Yep. Uh, Phillies lead the Angels 4-0 in the fourth. We had the note. Uh, well, hold on. Angels looking to avoid their ninth straight loss. The note that uh, I tried to I tried to say that it was my note, but I'd be lying to you. Since 1969, 174 teams have had multiple managers in a season and that they have managed 20 games or more. So 174 teams since 1969. So basically what we're seeing, Girardi removed, and now you have an interim manager. Only 14 times did one of those teams make the postseason. So just because you change your manager, especially early, doesn't mean a whole lot of postseason uh, success. Okay, okay, let me ask you real quick before we go. There were two teams that have done it, won the World Series. Jack Ooh. McKeon That's one. and the Marlins. That's one. Who's the other? That replaced their manager and then won the World Series. Couldn't tell you. Jack McKeon ties into this. It's the 1978 Yankees. Why, you ask? Because Jack McKeon took over for, um, I'm trying to remember who was managing. Um, for was managing the A's in 78, got fired with a winning record. McKeon came in, managed the A's to like a 30 games under 500. But the Yankees replaced their manager and won the World Series that year. Is that Bill, a Billy Martin 78 uh, special? Let's, let's just take a look real quick. Let's see who the 1978 Yankees manager was. We'd like to thank Dave O'Brien from the Boston Red Sox, A's left-hander Cole Irvin, and the manager Mark Kotze. You're right. It was Billy Martin who got fired after being 10 games over, and then Dick Hauser got fired after the being great, The great Dick Hauser got one game. He got fired, and then Bob Lemon went 48. Hauser didn't get fired, but he was in the organization. Uh, so the Bob Lemon took over and took him to the World yep, Series. Yeah, they won the World Series. They were 40 and 20. 48, 48 and 20 uh, with Lemon. And then the A's, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Bobby Winkles, the great Arizona State coach, 24 and 15, fired. Here comes Jack McKeon. They go 45 and 78. Tomorrow, special, we're honoring the 1972 team. Get out here, and uh, you're, you're supporting greatness. You want to see greatness? 
the start of three straight World Series championships. We're going to interview as many as we can tomorrow. It'll be limited, but we'll interview as many as we can for A's Cast Live. Got to get me some Reggie. Got to get me some Raleigh. Got to get me some Gino. You know him as Gene Tennis. Yeah, MVP of the 1972 World Series. The FBI was involved, too. There's a, uh, that's a great story. That is. All right, I'll be back in 13 minutes. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching A's Cast Live. We're back when? Tuesday? Tuesday before we take on Wash, Walt Weiss, Matt Olson, oh and the Braves. God. All of our old A's <laughs> friends are down there in Hotlanta. We'll talk about it on Tuesday. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back in 13 minutes. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi everyone, Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.